Hi, Mason, and this is the review after City lost at home to Crystal Palace in the shock result of the weekend, if not the entire season so far. Joining me to tell me how shit it was, I've got Howard and Lloyd. Morning, Howard. Morning. Or afternoon, should I say. How are you? Yeah, I've been better. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be be gentle with you, don't worry. Lloyd, how are you doing, mate? Uh, Yeah, not bad. Yesterday was fucking shite, though. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. It was really... So excited for a 3pm as well, just before Christmas. Mm, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it was such a... It's so strange to have to review these this game in these circumstances, considering the thought processes of, I imagine, all of us going into the game. But, I mean, we'll talk about it a bit later, but maybe the players... We're also feeling a, a little bit Christmassy and and like we were going into the match. Um, look, I'm going to skip the opening questions because I think that there's plenty of football from yesterday to talk about. Uh, getting straight into it, the selection, as soon as it dropped, a lot of people said very quickly, don't like that, not sure why we're doing that, feels like a complacent selection. Um did you feel like that, Lloyd, when you saw the team? Yeah, 100%. Bizarre team. Um, no, I, Stones at, at DM is just an absolute no from me. Um, I think, as I think you tweeted, that is the kind of game, theoretically, that we could be playing Gundogan in the number six role. Um, or Delph, just someone that plays centre mid, really, would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... We'll come on to talk about Stones, I'm sure. I don't have too much of an issue with him because he's been played out of position. This is this is this is on Pep. Um but no, it was it was a weird team. Um Other than Stones, was there anything else within it that instinctively bothered you? I'd have started Aguero, personally. Um I can see why they didn't start De Bruyne because after seventy minutes he's been out, you know, he's been out for half the season. We've got big games coming up. We've obviously got Liverpool in about 10 days and we've got a lot of games. So I understand not playing De Bruyne. I'd have played Aguero. Um, and yeah, Stones in DMs just absolutely bizarre. Okay. Um, Howard, for, as far as the selection goes, was it something that you also felt as soon as you saw the team, it didn't look right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whatever team Pep puts out, obviously someone will moan about it. And normally it's okay. Uh, we all have our preferred lineup before a match, but when I looked at that, I actually, you know, I started getting worried because I thought, I don't understand what he's doing here. He's taking chances, and we can't afford to take chances. Uh, so yeah, what Lloyd said, just stones in DM just stood out a mile. But you know, the knock-on of that is that we're we've got Otamendi who's not in particularly good form, and so we're splitting up stones and Laporte in defence again. You know, so it's the knock-on effect of that. Guerrero, uh, mm. Jesus, yeah, could have gone either two way. Positions, aren't you? Sorry? You're fucking about with yeah. two positions, that's the problem. And that's the one that stood out for me. It just, we ain't conceded, you know, we ain't kept a clean sheet in seven games and we don't play our strongest two defenders together yet again. It's just seemed to be taking too many chances for me, so. Mm. Okay. Um, well, look, um, Howard, just sticking with you, before we get into details, tell me how you saw the first half in general, because I feel that there's a little bit of a split between those who <coughs> felt it was poor and those who felt that it was fine up until Palace scored. And I guess that the context is that I believe that Palace's goal is their first shot either on yeah. or off target. So how did you view how did you view the first half? Up until our goal and after it, I thought it was okay. It wasn't a classic game. It just felt like one of those games where we have the ball, we keep probing, we score, and then we probably get a couple more, and it's job done, and everyone goes home happy. So, I think there was, say, just prior to the goal, there was frustration was beginning to creep in, but they'd barely been in a half. This experimental lineup was still dominate the ball as much as you know. Our preferred lineup. We weren't creating a huge amount, but you know, I just felt we were so dominant that it was just a matter of time anyway before goals came. So 
whilst it wasn't a classic performance, I was pretty relaxed, to be honest. And once okay. the goal went in, I thought, well, this is only going one way. We'll just get one more and this is this game's done. Okay. Um, Lloyd, so in terms of the, the domination, is it unfair to, for me to say that although we had a hell of a lot of the ball, it was very sterile domination? Both sides it, of our goal. It, no, it was. And I think the worrying thing is we, there's been a few instances recently where like, this has happened. But no, it was. Um, I didn't think we were great in the first half. I thought we were okay. I thought um, Palace were incredibly deep and just basically said, just come at us. And we were just moving it. But we were moving it far too slowly. There wasn't enough interchanging. There, there weren't any one-twos. Um, to try and quicken it up, Jesus was hardly getting a touch. Um, so no, I thought it was I thought it was pretty insipid. Um, obviously, you know things change when they get their goals, but I, you know, the first kind of thirty or so minutes or whatever in the lead up to Gundogan's goal, I thought we were very very vanilla. Okay. What did you Fair think, Kason? Um, I mean, I, I thought we were, I thought we were really poor at. I've seen a I've seen a few conversations around this idea that you know we were it was fine up until Palace's goal and that we were in control, um, but I don't really feel like controlling the football in the way that we were was in control because we weren't really creating anything. For me, the goal that we score comes just the other side of what felt like frustration building of the fact that other than set pieces, we're not really creating anything at that point. And then the goal comes. And I think that after the goal, we can we feel even more comfortable with the sterile domination that we have. And I think just to go back one step, for me, fundamentally, uh, maybe it's a bit of an exaggeration, but I can tell after 10 minutes what kind of City performance I'm going to get based on the tempo which the ball is moved from the goalkeeper into the final third and that's by some distance my biggest gripe with the performance yesterday in the first half and in the second half is that the we, we're we not a team built to play like a Mancini team in that we can keep the ball slowly, move it left to right. That's not really what we're about because teams play with a ridiculously low block against us. And Palace yesterday, we only got behind their midfield line once in that first half. Sane has, after like 14 minutes, or not long into the first half, in the first third, Sane finally gets in behind. He squares that and it's a tap-in for Jesus and he has a shot and he misses. And for me, after that, we just don't get in behind there. The, our forwards don't get behind their midfield or their fullbacks. Um, and that is absolutely, for me, all about, before anything else, the tempo at which we move the ball. So, yeah, I thought we were really poor, but for me, it was just about ball movement. And if you move the ball that slowly against anybody, against a championship team, if their their block is low enough and they're organised enough, I'm not sure that you're going to get around them. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my my vibe on that. What about our goal itself, um, Howard? Is that? I mean, you know, it's one of those goals that looked and felt really easy to score. Was there anything great about City in that goal? I'm not trying to force you into a corner where you've got kind of be negative about us but seriously was there anything good about City from that goal uh, and what was bad about Palace if that makes sense well yeah it was a good header so yeah it was a textbook header uh, good run but yeah if you're looking at it from the opposition side that was far too easy you know he was just in acres of space with that run no one followed him so it's just a textbook nice little pick out from Delph nice header so not much more you can say about it. Uh, it's just a. It was a relief to get it at the time. You know, it's the same frustration was beginning to kick in a bit, but it was a very simple goal. To be honest, it was just a simple run into the box, simple header. So, uh, but well executed, and obviously, yeah, I'm glad to see Gundogan getting the score sheet as well because 
he has his knockers <laughs> like like a lot of players well like most players at the moment it seems so yeah but I mean yeah, it's I a just, pretty simple goal so I just feel like it, it's it's one of those goals that kind of masks a lot of City's deficiencies just in the sense that I'm not sure that we have to do an awful lot to score it oh. um which is probably a bad thing, I think, in hindsight, because I think it gives them a sense of everything's all right when maybe they they shouldn't have had that. Um, Lloyd, our reaction to our first goal and then um, Palace's first goal, how do you see that period? And then how do you analyse and unpack Palace's first goal? Um, I thought... I didn't think there was much of a reaction, to be honest. Um, Palace's first goal felt really easy. Um, I've only just seen it now on on the highlights this morning, but in the ground, and granted, I am in the south stand, but it just felt it felt so easy. Walker was just kind of it looked like he was playing hopscotch, just like hopping, 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 just mm. following, showing him down the line on his on his stronger foot. Um, yeah, okay, great. It's a great finish. And to be honest, I think you, you can possibly say Edison should be saving that. Um, and then, I mean, it's difficult then because then there's not long between then and the uh, absolute world, is there? Mm. Um, Howard, do you think Edison should have should have made more of the uh, their first goal? Not, not really. I mean, what I remember it was hit at such speed. It was in the bottom corner immediately. You know, it looked mm. like a brilliant finish. Yeah. And what about Walker? Do you think that he has to take all the blame for that goal? No, not really. I mean, just the whole, the way it was worked from right to left was just a bit too easy. So it's pretty much every player involved just could have done a bit better. But I do agree. I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Walker more in detail later. There's not a real attempt to close the player down. It's almost as if, well, he's not, he's not scoring from there. So I'll just uh, waft just wave a leg in his general direction. So it certainly takes some blame, but, you know, to be honest, the goal just shouldn't have happened. It's like, I think it got it got to that side far too easily. Yeah, that's kind of my view on it. I just feel that I, I agree that Walker defends the shot poorly, but I think that when Pep analyses it and he talks to the players about it, he'll probably point at two or three different occasions before it gets to Walker where it should be dealt with. I thought that Delft was poor, out of position, it means Laporte's poor, Laporte's poor, poor in the challenge that he puts in. I think it's Wambasaka who, who's got the ball and, who's, who, or, and moving across the box, across the edge of the box. Um, the fact that he gets past Laporte and past Stones before it gets to... Stones isn't in a good position there. Yeah, Stones isn't in a great position either. I mean, it's just... It, it's when you watch it again, I can understand why in the immediate aftermath of the game, there's a lot of Kyle Walker is rubbish shouts. But if you watch it again, yeah, what Walker does is rubbish, but I don't really understand why we're not saying what everybody before that does is rubbish as well. Cause they're all collectively pretty pants. Um, okay. So, I mean, the second goal is a bit of a weird one. The, the, the second palace goal is a little bit of a difficult one to talk about because in fact, Lloyd, go on. What do you do about that? I mean, do you look at do you look at the attempted clearances and go, yeah, that's just not good enough? Do you take your hat off and just go, yeah, that's a worldie that happens from time to time? Well, the clearances aren't good enough. You should never let the ball bounce in the box um, when when it's aerially. And if you get your head to that on 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 the flush, then it's going it's going further out, isn't it? Yeah. But the converse is. That's one of the best goals I've ever seen live, mm. um, and when that goes in, it's it's difficult because when a goal like that goes in, I mean, everyone's just like bloody hell, um, and you just feel you feel like you know, given that they, that was their first shot, the Schlup one, and then that goes in the top corner, you just get the sense mm, this this isn't this isn't going to be our day. And yeah, okay, you know, we can talk about the second half and, you know, we need to come more back into it. But that was an unbelievable goal. I mean, the way he struck it, it just like a, like an arrow. Um, yeah, fair play. Howard, is there a, um, is there a thing where defensively, I, again, like I'm seeing a lot of shouts that specific players are playing poorly 
Whereas for me, I feel as though a little bit, it's a collective thing that I don't think collectively we're defending as well as we did earlier in the season. I think part of that is the disruption to the back four and also the disruption to the midfield. Um, and I think that because of that, there's just a general, like, you know, you miss Fernandinho is a massive miss. And then on top of that, Stones is not having his best 10 minutes before he's all, they, they've already conceded a goal for which I imagine Stones feels that he has some part to play in it. How do you, how do you view that, that kind of situation with the defending going into that goal? Is there something, what I'm trying to figure out here is, should we be critical of the way that we defend that? Or do we just step back and go, actually, let's talk about how we react to that goal? Because the goal itself, things like that happen. Yeah, no, things like that happen, but what you said is true. I won't won't use that goal as the example of, you know, collectively the defending has not been as good, but it hasn't been as good. Uh, And it's a bit worrying in a way that if we do change it around, we lose the stability. Uh, You know, we're big, as I said many a time, do think it always helps to have the same partnership in defence. But... I still think he can make a change and still be pretty. We still should be very solid, and we still should have the same system working, operating, everyone knowing their what their job is to do. And it's kind of gone in the last couple of months. Yeah, you know, there's just there's always a goal for the opposition. There's always a chance for them. So what what stood out, you know, with Pep when this team is playing at the best is how few chances we give the opposition. I mean, we didn't even know how good a a shot stopper Edison was for a few months because he had so little to do. And that just seems like a distant memory now. So mm. it just seems like, if, you know, the opposition just seemed dangerous when they break. It's There's something missing there in the shape. It's just the intensity, the, the pressing isn't there. Don't know if it's fatigue or what, but yeah, it's just the sloppiness is there. It's been there, let's be honest, for quite a while now. Lloyd, do you think that it's coincided? Do you think that it has coincided with breaking up the Stones Laporte centre back partnership? And do you think it is as simple as that? That it isn't even necessarily about whether Otamendi plays well or whether Vinny plays well when he comes in? And just to kind of extend that out a little bit more, is it affecting the fullbacks as well? So, what I mean by that is, were they better protected when it was Stones and Laporte? And therefore, that move. That the knock-on effects of moving stones out of centre, out of centre back is is kind of much wider than just the centre back positions. I think I think Pep fiddling with the centre backs is probably the catalyst for what's happened. But I think there's also a general sloppiness which has crept in defensively. And even if you, if you just look at our numbers, like if you look at the chances that we're conceding and like the XG that we're conceding at the moment is so much higher than it was earlier in the season. I do think that is probably has been triggered by, you know, by not playing Laporte and Stones when, you know, for the for the first half of this part of the season, they played pretty regularly as the two. You know, with some with some changes, you know, granted. But it definitely has disrupted things. I mean, you know, we've we've not had Mendy now for what six weeks? Um, and that's 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 got to be a factor as well. I mean, we've not had our we've basically not had our left back really for two years. Played probably like ten games. Um, Danilo's not been able to come in and help Walker out. I think Walker's on a we'll talk about. It, I'm sure, but on a worrying trend at the moment. Um, a real general sloppiness in his in his game. Um, so I would say, I would say Pep messing around with it is the catalyst, and hopefully, hopefully. He'll have seen that yesterday, and he's going to rectify that by giving them a few games mm. back together. Um, before we talk about individuals, the second half. I mean, the timing of the, the timing of the penalty so early in the second half uh, is disappointing. Um, again, Howard Walker solely culpable. What's the how are we viewing what happens, that move that leads up to that penalty? How do you see that? Well, you can't be solely culpable because they hit the post a couple of seconds before and it was like, you know. was it Town? Who hit the post? Was it Townsend? Or? Whoever it was, anyway, was literally stood by himself from a, just a, 
Bob Standard cross into the box and there was nowhere anywhere near him. So it was just a shambles again. Literally, yeah, it was shambles. I don't, th- <coughs> I don't think the five minutes before I'd seen much evidence anyway that we were going to bombard them for the half and turn everything around. You know, not a lot had happened. Uh, but that obviously, going two behind that early in the half, set the tone for the rest of the half and a template. Uh, having said that, what, what Walker did was absolutely... I mean, it's just... I'm trying to think of the right word without being insulting. <laughs> it's just, you know, what on earth does he think he's doing It's there? not good enough, eh? basically. It's just not no, good enough. No, I mean, what on earth is he doing? You just don't dive in like that. In the, I mean, you go and block, but you don't reach the player. You just, you know, you put yourself between the player and the, the goal. And to go in like that was absolutely... I just don't know what's going through his head at the moment. You know, this... I don't. I, I don't. We've discussed before. Is he world class? Is he? And oh, you know, I'll just comment on this game. He was. He was utterly awful, and he really needs a rest from this game. I hope. Definitely. I, I hope it's fatigue and just the need for a break. But this was just all over the distribution. Do you not think the lack of composure is contagious? Decision making. Howard, Sorry? do you not think the lack of composure is contagious? And what I mean by that is, do you not feel that other players? are showing a similar lack of composure in the build-up to the goals. So I'm not trying to absolve Walker of anything because I 100% agree with you, yeah, that that challenge is absolutely, fundamentally not good enough. Never mind challenging for the Premier League title at Premier League level, at Championship level. You can't make a challenge like that. You know it's going to be a penalty. We both feet are off the ground. I mean, it's... But having said all of that, did you feel there was a lack of composure around him as well? Yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah, there was all over the place, you know, misplaced passes and not just composure, just uh, idea, intensity, the pressing, energy. And I think there was just a, there was just a lack of uh, comprehension of how to deal with a low block and being pressed in, you know, being pressed in Crystal Palace's own half when they had the ball. They just didn't know how to deal with that. Uh, yeah, of course it spreads. It spreads around, you know, Walking can play badly, but if the rest of the team's on, you know, on top of their game, he'll get into the game. It'll be easy for him to turn it around and get into the game. But no one else was playing well either. So, yeah, they just, you know, it's a vicious circle in a way. One just... One just makes the other worse, and so on and so on. And yeah, there was just such sloppiness across the pitch, and I, I can't explain the timing of this. I know we can un- obviously we can look at the lineup and say it wasn't good enough, but it, this this went beyond the lineup. Yeah. It was just not the intensity of t- you know say two months ago, uh, and there's yeah a lack of uh, innovation really, uh, inventiveness, uh, and it's not a very good time. And players just number of players are just not in form at the moment and this is the worst possible time to be doing that. So, hmm. um, Lloyd, how do you think that the players, our players, reacted to going two goals behind? Honestly, I, I, <laughs> I thought we were poor second half as well. Yeah. Um, I never I never had, never had the feeling in the ground that we were going to win that game. Um, and often... As a City fan, kind of over the last, really since Mancini, very often when we've gone behind, even in situations like that, I've thought, nah, we'll, we'll come back here. We'll come back here. Didn't get that feeling yesterday. When that Milivojevic goal went in, I was like, that's it. Why? We just weren't. Just, I just didn't get the impression off the team that, that the mentality was there yesterday. And I, I didn't think the reaction was good enough either. After, after the... After that second goal, we kind of stepped up a little bit. De Bruyne coming on helped because there was someone there who was willing to take the football at every point. So that that was very that you know that helped things. But even when even with him on, I, I still I thought we were poor. We moved it too slowly. We didn't create we didn't create very many chances. And given how um, given how much of the ball we had and how reductive they were with a two goal lead, they were just happy just to literally not come up the pitch after that Milivojevic goal and we hardly, we hardly created anything mm. Howard do you think we gave up a little bit of our principles of how we play under Pep 
uh, after their second, after their third goal. Sorry. Which sorry, which principles do? Well, I mean, I, from from I'll be more specific. I felt as though <coughs> in the second half, particularly after the the penalty, I can't remember the last time I've watched a City game and I've seen so many players dribble with the football rather than just passing it. Yeah, I don't, well, I just don't think they knew how to beat the block. Just. So, yeah, in a way, yeah. There's a lot of dribbles. And it felt like Moyes against Fulham United. Just yeah, crosses. crosses so just many aimless crosses. crosses. Six-yard box cleared by a defender who just they stood in the right same position time after time after time. And, and that's all we could think was to put crosses in. And obviously crosses can be successful, but it just wasn't working. It was going to their defender. The number of crosses that hit the first defender as well. Just, and there weren't the men in the box. There wasn't the movement. So it was just... Crystal Palace defence were just happy to clear cross after cross after cross after cross for like half an hour. And, mm. you know, as, as Lloyd said, within 10 minutes of them going through one up, I thought, nah, it's not happening this. Not, not, we're not even getting a point. So it just felt like they could cross, they could clear crosses until midnight if need be. Uh, so, yeah, there was no real desire to overlap. There was so very little overlaps, very little attempt to get behind the defence. We just really like, City of a few years ago just befuddled by a, a low block uh, and a team that didn't really want to come at us because obviously they didn't need to. Hmm. Um, Lloyd, let's get into some big sweeping generalisations, shall we? Let's start hanging some people out to dry. Um, if you look across the individual performances, I mean, for me, there's a lot of very poor performances. Um, I'm not going to do it in the order in which it is in the agenda. Uh, I'm going to start with Guardiola. How do you think Guardiola? Give me, give me, give me a score out of ten for Guardiola's performance yesterday. Ooh, score out of ten. Um, it's got to be low on it. Mm. Something around, something around four. What do you something think? Like that? That? What do you think? Other than the selection, where do you feel? He lost control of things, if indeed he did lose control of things. He brought De Bruyne on too late for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Milivojevic scores, what, on 51 minutes? Yep. Um, De Bruyne doesn't come on until at least 10 minutes afterwards. Yep. That that didn't make any sense. Um, I think there should have been a sub at half-time. Okay, fine, Aguero came on pretty soon, but I think it sends a message to, to make subs at half-time. I'd have been tempted to make two subs at half-time. Agreed. Get both Aguero and De Bruyne on. Um, I don't know. It was weird. Pep didn't seem to be orchestrating things as much as well from the sidelines because we were so poor moving it so slowly side, side to side. I found myself watching him, seeing what he was doing. And it, it's almost as if he was kind of resigned to it as well. It was, it was really bizarre. I've got um, a theory on that, you know, because I agree with you. I think one of the things that kind of surprised me was the lack of, well, okay. So I think that Pep chooses Stones to play in holding mid and he knows 10 minutes into the game that that was a mistake and it's not really, that he's not going to get the performance that he thought he was going to get. And I think that it's not that he's kind of, Given it's not that he's given up. I think it's just that he's so he's such an emotional and fiery character. I think that when it's the fault of the players on the pitch, I think you know it. I think Guardiola cannot hold his tongue regardless of what he says in press conferences. On the touchline, he can't hold his tongue and he can't hold his emotions. Generally, when the players are at fault, you know it because he's on the touchline going absolutely mental. I think it said it all, the fact that he was so resigned so early on to that performance. I think that... He knows he disrupted the rhythm and he knows that if we don't start with the right rhythm, it's very difficult then to get that that rhythm right. Um, yeah, the, just just quickly as well on Stones. Um, Guardiola is definitely the, the, the one with the culpability for that because yes, you know, Stones wasn't good and he doesn't move the ball nearly as quick as Fernandinho does and he's not taking up the right positions, but he's not a centre midfielder. So it's a bit like when we play Zinchenko at left back and Zinchenko makes a defensive mistake. It's like, well, you know, that that's what's going to happen with Zinchenko at left back. That's what's going to happen if we play Stones in midfield. He's going to make mistakes. And that's that's on Guardiola more than the player for me. Yes. 
Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, Howard, do you want to uh, do you want to defend Pep a little bit? Maybe no, not on this occasion. Thanks. Okay. Uh, I mean, even I, I I can't even agree with not starting De Bruyne uh, because why why get him match fitness in the Carabao Cup and then not play him in this game? Uh, he may have not had ninety minutes in him with the games coming up, but. You know, you look to take him off after seventy minutes. Uh, just, nah, just a baffling lineup. I just didn't get it at all. To be honest. Mm, see, I, I'm I'm mad on my conspiracy theories today, and I think that uh, one of the reasons I think the reason that we end up with the selection that we end up with is kind of directly and indirectly because he doesn't want to play Foden. I think that ultimately he's decided very early on that he doesn't want to start with De Bruyne. So then he's got a perma midfield without De Bruyne. And he's looking at it and he's going, well, if I play Gundogan at the eight, then I've got to play Foden and uh, and Bernardo. And he doesn't want to do that. So he puts Stones in DM and he puts Gundogan in in the eight. And it's, yeah, I mean, that I, I, I tweeted last night. Um, and I think, Lloyd, you touched upon it earlier as well. Just the fact that this was the opposite of the type of game that you wanted Stones in in. DM for because you kind of felt like at home against a low block what you want are as many footballers on the pitch that can break down that low block as is humanly possible and I think we set the tone in the first 15 minutes when Stones you know is getting closed down well and he's not a centre midfield player and because he's getting closed down well and he's not a centre midfield player most of his passing is going sideways or backwards and that's when he's not losing the football Um, just to go back to Pep I mean I know that it's Almost never happens, but after 15 minutes, Otamendi should have been hooked. Stone should have gone into the back four, and Gundogan should have gone into the uh, into the six, and De Bruyne should have been on, and we would have started playing football. I bet instantly and creating chances much, much, much faster. So, um, I mean, I guess we're all indulging in hindsight management. Um, okay. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about Walker. I want to talk a little bit about Otamendi and his performances when he has been called upon. Um, Howard, am I being harsh when I say that I think quietly Otamendi's been shit since he's come back into the side? No, he's not been good at all, to be honest. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know the level of shitness, but he's not. He's not putting great performances, and as we said, he's destabilised the defence. Uh, just doesn't seem to have an understanding with who he plays with. So there's gaps appearing in the centre of that of that team. I mean, just look against Everton where you've got Delph as the last line of defence in the middle of the pitch. You know, on two occasions when Everton score and when World Cup uh, hits it over, Otamendi's nowhere near. Where is he? He's nowhere to be seen. So, no, he's not, he's not played well. And that's what baffles me is that he then gets picked again. I mean, Pep sometimes needs to play pick players in waves. Because Otamendi was not getting a look in for the early part of the season. Now he's being picked to relevant form. So, yeah, it's just, I think you're right. The, the reluctance to play Foden has had a domino effect all the way back through that team and literally just made the whole team a mess in a way. It's, <laughs> it's just been, you know, it's just, just wasn't working. Uh, it's just, uh, when all they had to do was pick one. You know, one extremely talented 18-year-old and we wouldn't have to have any of these discussions. Hmm. Um, Lloyd, what about for you? Do you do you think that I'm... Um, you think me and Howard have been a bit harsh on on Otamendi? No. Okay. I, thought, I, I think he was rubbish. So, um, I thought he was rubbish in the last game. I think the big, the big thing is in the build-up, he's just been terrible, I think. And he's our weakest. He's our weakest option. And you could see yesterday, Palace, when he got the ball, we're just letting him have it. Yeah. He he was the one player that every time he got it, he was dawdling. He'd do that thing where he lets it run out and then drags it back, like rolling his ball over the foot, and then and then does it again. Sorry, rolling his foot over the ball, and then he did it. He would do it again, then bring it to the other side. Um, no, I think he's 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 been he's been our. Basically, been the weakest option when when he's been in the team, and yeah, I think most noticeably on the ball and his passing is has been really really bad since he's come back into the team. Do you think this um, moments where Pep rotates to keep players happy? Yeah, def- 
definitely an element of it. But I mean, there was a, there was that story in kind of October time that Otamendi was going to seek to speak to Pep because he w- wanted to leave, and since then he's played a lot more. <coughs> I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. Um, yeah, there's been more games, so we've needed to rotate. But given how infrequently he played at the beginning of the season, he's played a lot of late, and he's been rubbish. So, you know, difficult. Mm. Um, Howard, do you want to chime in on on the idea of of Pep playing players to keep them happy? Yeah, it's probably true. I don't, I don't have a huge problem with that. Yeah, part of management is well, man management, uh, mm. and he's got to keep. You know, he's often said, "I can't play," or you know, it upsets me in a way that I can't play. Some players deserve to be on the pitch, and I can't play them enough because of the the talent we have. So, uh, obviously, well, that makes you think more about the the midfield, uh, central midfield roster than uh, than Otamendi. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. But I think recent performances gave him ample opportunity to to leave him out again. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't just ignore form just to keep players happy. Hmm. Um. Let's talk about Walker. Bad form or bad player? Howard? No, no, I'm not doing this. He's, he's a terrible player. Uh, but, yeah, he's in bad form. There's no two ways about it. He's pl- right now, he's a bad he's a bad player. Uh, but okay. he needs a break, and then we need to see that if he comes back better after it, because he's just not playing anywhere near well enough to be in the, the side. And... One thing that's always been targeted is his weakness, is his crossing. You know, it's like Carolinica mentioned when he signed, and then he got like a lot of assists quite early on. And his crossing is just, yeah, a waste of time at the moment, I think. So, uh, sloppy play, loses concentration. So, right now, he's a bad player. But okay. no, obviously, yeah, I thought he was really, really good last season. We, we barely talked about him because he went about his job so well that I don't think we talked about him. So he made a mistake away at Burnley. So, and that was his first big mistake of the season, deep into the season. But this season, uh, definite slumping form. Uh, I just think you need to break from the team to sort that out. Okay. Um, Lloyd, do you think if you look at a year ago and you look at how important Otamendi and Walker were to the title winning side, um, do you think we're being a bit harsh? In, in the way that we're assessing them. Now, I guess what I mean is that I kind of, it's not that we've said it, I've said it, you've said it, or Howard has said it, but I've certainly seen it. And there is a an underlying thing in some of the conversations around both those players where the implication is they're just not good enough to play in this team. Is that unfair based on the way that they performed a year ago? Or do you think there's something in the idea that maybe that was as good as it was going to get for those two? I think it's unfair in Walker's case, but I think there's de- there's definitely a conversation around Otamendi. Otamendi was amazing last season, but it felt like he was on a roll more than that was Otamendi, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing with Walker for me that's really concerning is that th- this sloppiness has really crept into his game and it kind of exacerbates itself in two ways. He's often too lax and doesn't track back quickly enough and over relies on his pace and then the guy burns him unexpectedly and will score but then he's also in the same game he's often too rash as well and he does like lose your head moments where he'll do that that challenge like he did um, for the penalty so it's weird because I feel like often often he's too lax and he gives the ball away really poorly in midfield or he won't track back, but then also he's losing his head as well. So it's kind of he's hot and cold, but in but in a bad way. It's 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 a really weird one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm somewhere I'm somewhere in the middle on Walker. I, I, obviously, I've talked him up a lot in the last month, and I feel like I've jinxed him a little bit. I thought he was poor yesterday. I think you know his form is suffering, but more than anything, I think he just needs a rest. Uh, I've seen somebody. Uh, tweet that like Pochettino that apparently that Pochettino that's why he didn't play him twice a week because he couldn't put the performances in consistently twice a week 
And we're seeing that now. Well, with you, with all due respect, he put him in last season. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just not having that, that, that Walker can't play well three times a week. Um, but I do think right now he, he's suffering from a serious dip in form and, and could do with a minute out of the team. Or if he isn't going to get a minute out of the team, he could do with the, the centre-halves next to him being consistent in, in their own form um, and also Pep being consistent in the in the selection. Because, you know, we talk a lot about individuals within all of this, but I think more so than under any other manager, under Guardiola, the collective is so much more important than than the individual. And as we've already talked about, there's a lot of kind of collective errors that lead to those goals, even if the last and therefore the most glaring error on two occasions falls um, falls on Walker. Um, look, we've done this from a very negative point of view so far. So for the last 10 minutes, what I want to do is I want to talk about how we can fix this, uh, both in the short term and also in the medium term. Um, Howard, how do you... I mean, obviously, they're all going to feel very, very, very low. And, you know, it's not. I imagine it's not going to be the best of Christmases. Um, how does Pep, first and foremost, what does he need to do to turn this around? Uh, yeah, well, I'll start by being negative again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the result has put us in a very awkward position because we're all talking about January the 3rd game. But Leicester away, who win at Chelsea, and Southampton, new manager bounce, have suddenly become... They're always, always, always tricky games for me, but suddenly they've become very, very, very tricky indeed. So we need... The response has to be instant. Uh <clears throat> What can they do? Just play better? <laughs> I mean, Aguero, De Bruyne are back, and I assume they go back in the side. Walker needs a rest. Danilo's training now, I think. We play Fernandinho, you know, Fernandinho comes in. You play your stronger side for every game, uh, and you get that intensity back. You know, it's, it's time for them to make a statement and show that they're up for the fight, so... A lot of it, you know, Pep can only say so much. He has to, obviously, none of this messing about with Stones. He puts Stones and Laporte back together. He plays the side that was gliding through the season a month ago. Uh, back to basics, basically. Okay. Lloyd? Yeah, I agree, I agree with Howard. I don't, think, I don't think it's going to take too much to fix this, but as Howard said, we are in a very difficult situation and we need to be honest, you know, this Liverpool team is an absolute machine at the moment. And, you know, they're on they're on track to break our hundred point record at this point in the season, which is an absolute joke, really, considering, you know, what we were saying about City last season. Um yeah, they might not have played as well as we did last season. They've not been beating teams as heavily, but they're defending better than we did last season and they're defending a lot better than us right now. So it is a concern, obviously with that game on the horizon, even if we keep pace with them until then, you know, we can we could easily be seven points behind. And that that's a gap. That's a serious gap given how consistent they are. Um in terms of fixing it, I think De Bruyne and Aguero will help massively. De Bruyne particularly. Um I honestly I think people would think this is a very me answer, but I think I think Foden can can help. I think Foden needs to play. I think we Need to see a bit of a bit of a point of difference in the team, and I think Phil coming in and playing the odd game is going to is going to start pushing Bernardo and pushing Gundogan because I think Bernardo has played a lot, but it's probably getting a bit comfortable at the moment. And I think actually it would help to have Phil come in there because every time Foden's played, he's looked absolutely bang on the money for me, and I think bringing someone in who's got that because he's just going to have so much hunger. I feel like I feel like that that could really help us. Um, he's not, I don't he's know not starting what you now, think about he, that. He's not. He's <laughs> not. But I feel I'm look. I'm looking at how how to get that kind of intricate playback because yesterday there were so few kind of little passes around the corner, one twos, quick movement, pulling players out of position, and you know David Silva's still not back. And I feel like who are we going to get that from? I think possibly Phil. I mean, it's probably not. It's probably not going to happen. But 
that that would be part of my answer to how I think we might be able to get the football back. Mm-hmm. I think quietly the number eights have been poor for a little while. I think that um, that's been a little bit of an issue. Uh, I think that's where we sometimes feel a lack of creativity. And I feel as though in a pod recently, I even said that the front three were on fire and that, the, no, sorry, the two wingers, don't, uh, Sterling and, and Sane were on fire. And it was masking a little bit the lack of creativity that was coming from the number eights. Um, I think, I do think that there's been an overreaction to, in general, to what happened yesterday. I totally appreciate the fact that Liverpool are, are setting an incredible pace, but City are also setting an incredible pace. You know what I mean? Mm. Being being four points behind Liverpool. If you actually, if you forget about Liverpool for a minute and you just look at our performances and our results so far in the season, I, I think, of course, you can argue. And, you know, you think about the margins as well. Mahrez misses a penalty in in the dying seconds of the game at Liverpool. The, the the draw against Wolves comes courtesy of a goal that shouldn't be a goal. So, you know, I do feel as though there's been an overreaction in terms of people are conflating. I think we, we haven't been great. We haven't been amazing in the last month, but I don't think you can expect to be amazing over the course of the whole season. I think people are forgetting how amazing we were in the, or maybe they're so kind of used to us playing at such a high level that any type of dip, has kind of made people lose their heads. Anyway, what I'm trying to make in a roundabout way is that I don't think four points is the is the end of the world. And I don't think seven points in the first week of January is the end of the world. Um, regardless of, of Liverpool's form or how good they are, because there's some things you can't predict. And, and one of the things that you can't predict is injuries. And you can't predict form. You know, you can't predict how these, you know, we talked about the Champions League just a week ago and we were saying it doesn't really matter talking about those ties now because come February you don't know how people form could be totally different you know injuries could be totally different and I think the same applies to to a league challenge I think seven points is around the limit but I don't think it's a it's a, a catastrophic it's all over and the flip side of that is that for everything that's happened yesterday we certainly are good enough and have the quality of players to win the next three games. And then the the complexion looks totally different. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm all right for the moment. I'm I'm more worried about, you know, I, I guess if, I, if I'm concerned, I'm more concerned about looking at some of the decisions Pep is making and wondering where he's making them from, what the kind of the underlying rationale is when on the outside, for example, Breaking up Stones and Laporte, for me, is kind of feels like the root of most of our problems right now. So you would hope that come Wednesday, Stones and Laporte are back in their positions. I think the Fernandinho thing is something that we just can't, we have to accept it, that we've come into yeah, the season. Yeah, but we've kind of, we have to accept it now. We're not going to buy in January. Even if we were going to buy in January, I don't think there's a player in that position that we could get in January that would be a long-term target. So I think that's, we have to just roll with that. Um, And I think that in terms of dealing with Fernandinho, I go back to what you say, Lloyd, um, and a little bit what I said and what Howard said as well. Play Foden more, give Gundogan more of a chance, trust your footballers and trust your footballing instinct, Pep. And don't, you know, I feel as though he second-guessed himself by playing Stones in the DM feeling like it would give him solidity, but also a vibrancy in the passing. But the vibrancy in the passing just wasn't there. The mobility just wasn't there. He can't really play on the half turn. There's so much of of what was wrong that stemmed from not having Ferner, not having a, a passer of the football in that position that I feel like Pep needs to just kind of look at himself. But overall, I'm, I'm, I feel as though... It, it need, this conversation needed to be had and, and the the things that we're pointing at need to be pointed at. But at the same time, it's one defeat. It's not the end of the world. And if everybody learns from it and we go and wipe the floor with Leicester on Wednesday, I think we all feel very differently come Thursday morning. Um, I'm going to let you both have the last word. So Lloyd, is a, how do you want to wrap this up? No, I agree with that because the way... Well, that I started answering the question when you said how how can we fix it, 
is I'll come back to it. I don't think it's going to take too much to fix it. And I think De Bruyne is going to be is going to be the key. If he, I mean, he looks fit now. Um, if he comes straight back into the team, which I, he, he has to against Leicester, I think he's going to solve a lot of the problems because what, what one of the big issues has been how quickly we move the football, and there's no one I don't think in the Premier League that moves the ball as quickly as De Bruyne. So I think that's going to help massively, um, and hopefully that should trigger off everybody else. Um, get Bernardo some rest, and please, please, please put Stones and Laporte back together. Howard? Yeah, I think Lloyd's summed it up perfectly, so... Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's all about the response now, obviously. Don't think we're even. How many games we played? We're not at the halfway stage of the season yet, no. so... <clears throat> some people have already written the season off. Some people have already decided after one bad day that our summer transfer dealings were all wrong. You know, it's like it's just rewriting of history, basically. But it's all about... It's all about the the response now. Uh, get the big guns back in the side. Get the get players playing in the correct position, and it's up to the players to put this right. So and to you know and to basically start the chase uh, against Liverpool. Absolutely, and I think we've got the quality um, to to chase Liverpool down and and retain this title. And I think that's that's the most important thing. And I think that we should all have a little bit more belief. I think both in Pep and in the squad. Um, yeah, wonderful. Right, guys, that was the um, that was the very difficult review after City lost three uh, two to Crystal Palace uh, at the Etihad four days before Christmas or three days before Christmas or however long it was. And we didn't even talk about De Bruyne's goal, which you know yeah, was fluke. fluke, but but just the most beautiful fluke. Gotta love a flute like that. And it did give us hope. It gave me hope for the last 10 minutes anyway. Right, Howard Hawking, thank you very much. Yeah, I'd normally say it's a pleasure, but probably a bit less so today. Okay, (laughs) I forgive you. Lloyd, thank you very much. No worries. Um, To both of you, Merry Christmas. To everybody who listened, Merry Christmas. Um, You'll be listening on SoundCloud, but this is a 9320 player podcast. So if you like listening to reviews after games, head over to our website and sign up to the 9320 player because as of next week, they go back to being behind the paywall. In the meantime, be safe, be well, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And as always, up the blues.